Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. March into spring with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered, one-gig internet for $59.99 per month, plus a $150 gift card and price lock guarantee. This deal gets even better with a free modem, free installation, and free Wi-Fi your way home. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and manage user access for all connected devices with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires May 6, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. everyone it's andy richter this is the three questions and i am very happy to have uh my old pal on the conan couch uh john bradley here how many times were you on the conan show hi quite a few times i i i think i was twice in the studio and then a, and then a few comic cons as well three comic cons maybe two or three uh-huh yeah no yeah, it was did. yeah you did a quite a complicated bit with us didn't you like uh yeah, I did. I did a bit in in character. I think. Yeah, I, repri- I, think it was. I reprised reprised my role. Yeah, yeah. As uh, as Samuel Tarley briefly. Yeah, but it was always it was always such a such a delight to come on and and see you guys. It was always a blast, and it's lovely to get to talk to you again now. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. I really appreciate you. You're in England. Uh, yeah. You've you've apparently resisted the the lure of Hollywood. You haven't decided to move over here and. Become a California boy? No, I mean, I mean that's I'm I'm sort of aware of the format of this show, and that's something that that we'll talk about later. I I, I have have resisted it up to now, and oh, you have okay. In, in the in, in the face of in the face of a lot of pressure, especially in in, in the early days, the sort of Game of Thrones days, uh, the 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 lore of it and the pressure of certain uh, people who were in charge of my career to to get me over there and. And uh, I know I, I've I, I have I have my uh, I have a really really nice life where I, I I come over to LA and I come to California and I I do comic cons and things like that and I I get to come home and and back to the place where I grew up and the back to the people that I knew when I was growing up and I get to tell them about it so yeah I get I, I get I get a home life and I and and, and that way it always stays exciting and it always stays novel and exhilarating to come over there and do that stuff and then come back out of it i think i think if i was over there a lot and, and leading that kind of life the novelty would wear off for me and i'd be less excited by it when it happens yeah and i also i mean i can imagine uh it would be nice because i mean you have enjoyed wonderful success you deserve every bit of it it's Awesome that you have it, but also it's like it's full of lots of phony bullshit. You know what I yeah, mean? And totally. so it's nice to be able to get out. I mean, there's time. To- I, you know, I live in Burbank, California, which is like sort of like its own little midwestern town in the middle of Los Angeles, and that's why I yeah. live there because it's just like 
the least amount of bullshit. It's and and yeah. I I would love I've thought often like man I wish I just lived in Michigan or something and just could drop back in here and then go back to like reality some kind of reality. Yeah, but that's I I think that's exactly the that's exactly the right kind of balance to strike and you know my t- you know my my team in LA now I'm very very happy with them because they they empathize with me and they know what's important to me and yeah. they know what my priorities in life are. I just think that you know there are so there are so many stories of people having a having a good moment in Hollywood and then the next minute they they make a a slightly unwise decision professionally and then it's all over then nobody yeah nobody sort of wants to sort of nobody has any time for them anymore and i just think if you burn all your bridges at home and you cast people off and you you you, you know you cut those ties and you say i'm going to hollywood i'm going to make a success of it go over to hollywood have a couple of turkeys nobody there wants to know you anymore and then you can't go home anymore because you yeah. burnt those bridges and you're adrift so i like to feel rooted does that also go for business things too like you you want to keep yourself open to the uk tv and film world you know in addition to hollywood or yeah i think so i mean i mean it, it's it's you know th- there's a lot that can be said for for streaming and things at the moment and the, the way that it's affected movie theaters and the way that it's affected the movie business in general. But one of the good things about it is if you make something that's a UK based production and it's good, people will still get to see it all over the world because TV has branched out into a, into a, an international thing. Broadcast TV is becoming a much, a much more rarer thing. If something goes on a streaming platform, it can be a tiny little UK show and yeah. people all over the world get to see it. And I think that one of the good things about streaming is that it's it's kicked that door open in that way for, for you know, productions that wouldn't necessarily have had their Hollywood moment or their limelight yeah. moment. They get, they get that now. And also, it does super cool things like makes Korean TV the hottest thing at the moment. Like, exactly. that's so awesome. That, that can't, that can only help, you know just people having a better understanding of the world. And I mean, all over the world is to, you know, like to watch something in a different language is just so healthy for, especially for this country. It's so isolated in so many ways. Yeah. And it could only, it could only help. It could only help the sort of film and TV industry in the English speaking world, because if they're in, in a bit of a rut where, where, you know, they, they're plowing the same furrow and it's become a bit of a machine and everybody become become a bit complacent. If you do get a, a Korean TV show that's just impeccable, they, the, then the competition has broadened yeah. out. They're a bit like, oh, yeah. now, we, now we're not just in competition with ourselves, we're in competition with the best shows from around the world and hopefully yeah. that'll get people to sort of pull their socks up a bit and do some interesting stuff. That's, uh, that's capitalism right there. That's what that is. If somebody yeah. threatens you, that's the, you know, an engine for progress. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell me about your, uh, tell me about your, your hometown. Tell me about where you grew up. Uh, now you're still in your same hometown. Do you still live in there or in the same town? I'm, I'm still in Manchester. Yeah. Manchester's yeah. Uh, 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 it's, it's a major city. So there, there are a lot of different parts of Manchester. I don't live in the same tiny place where I grew up, uh-huh. but, the, but, but I, I live in Manchester still. I grew up in uh, a place called Withenshaw in Manchester, which um, 
it, it's 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 it, I never found it to be like this. I had a great time growing up there, but it has a certain reputation for being quite a tough place. It's a it's a welfare mm. housing welfare housing estate. I think when it was built, it was the biggest welfare housing estate in Europe. Wow! When it was built, it just goes it just goes on and on and on. And you know, I I had a really nice time growing up there, but 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 it does have a certain reputation for for. I'm the I, 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 last thing I want to do is to bad mouth it because it's been really great to me but it does have a certain reputation for sure like a, and, a rough and tumble place rough and tumble place yeah but with but with uh, in my experience really really nice people and i still have lots of friends there and i lived i lived with my mum and dad who were in, in our in our welfare house in withenshaw and they're still there and i go back there all the time oh that's great that's great um and has it ever occurred to you to have you ever lived away from from Manchester or have you always kind of made that your I mean, I'm sure that you go away for months to do some of the projects that you do. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, I, I do go away for months and I've always come back to Manchester. But my my girlfriend is in London. She lives in London. So uh, I think I think if I if I was if I was looking for an excuse to move down there, she's as good as as good an excuse as I'm going to find. So I can I can see myself making the move sometimes so it's, it's, it's one of those things that 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 you sort of build up in your own mind that moment of announcing to your family that you're gonna move away and thinking that they're gonna break down in tears and not be able to cope with it and beg you not to go but i bet they're gonna be fine about it yeah yeah i bet they're just gonna say well you know we know how much you love her and we know we love her and we we know that it's it's the best for your relationship so they're gonna be fine about it but i built yeah. it up in my head over the years has been a, you know a cutting of the a cutting of the apron strings and also it's, it's not it's not quite as you know it's not quite serious as that i do just like it up here but i've but i'll i'll if anything was going to drag me away from here it'd be falling yeah. in love with someone right yeah and how far is it from one to the other i i, I don't know about 400 about three four hundred miles oh okay so which yeah. which, which, which in, in american terms is like Round the corner, right? Yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can be on the same street in LA for that for that time. Yes, but, absolutely. But, but to us, and also because there's there's a big there's a big cultural divide between the north and south in the UK. Yeah, it fe it feels like there is. It feels like you're crossing a boundary and sort of buying into a completely different lifestyle and a completely different set of morals and stuff, which is all northern. Uh, bullshit but uh but we we set a lot of stall by that kind of stuff yeah yeah um it, you know i it also occurs to me too that your family probably has they they are used to absence because of your work i think too so it probably does sort of make the eventual separation okay you know uh yeah. or more okay you know i mean because when you go to I don't wherever you guys were Tunisia, where, where yeah. Game of Thrones was for two months. You know, it's like they're, they're used to you, like because you, you know you may see them maybe as much. I don't know. I mean, you know, yeah, it's, it's an easy flight too, isn't it? You know, what is that? An hour, hour two? The, it's yeah, it's like two two hours two hours on the train. I can be yeah, up yeah. in no time. Yeah, right. But, but you know, there's something you know, there's something sort of deeper at play, and I and I try to avoid the. I avoid, avoid thinking about it too often, but I think when I was a kid, I was a really, really anxious kid. 
Mm-hmm. I was, I was, I was, I was really anxious, and I wasn't quite sure what I was anxious about. I just, I, 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 I was worried a lot, and I, and I had this. I used to fret about things, and my mum always used to say I was a bundle of nerves. Mm-hmm. I was like a really, really neur- neurotic kid. And now that I think about it, all the things that I was neurotic about or anxious about was something happening to my parents. Yeah. I was very, I was very aware of that from a very young age, an age that most kids don't have those kind of thoughts. Yeah. I remember, I, I remember being in school once, actually, and sometimes when you're a kid, you have a profound thought out of nowhere. And I said to my friend, I said, can you believe that one day your mum's going to die? <laughs> and, and he said, yeah, but one day you're going to die. And I went, yeah, but never mind that. One day your mum's going to die. And to me, that, that, was like a, that was like a moment of, I was like, plus I've only been about five or six, but it was a moment where a certain, a certain f- carefree attitude was sort of lost. And I have that oh, on my wow. mind. I have that on my mind most days. And when I go away, it's a morbid thought. And, and COVID's done nothing to sort of make this any better. But when I go away, I think I, I genuinely have to put it to the back of my mind. I might never see you again. Yeah. It's, a, it's, an anxi- it's an anxiety that I live with all the wow. time. So maybe that's, maybe that's something that's held me back from doing that move as well. But, you know, I mean, it's it just, just one, you know, people carry anxieties around with them. And ever been from being a tiny little kid, that's one thing that I've, I've carried about. Have you, I, I mean, I imagine you've, you know, you're working at ameliorating kind of the stress or that kind of anxiety, you know, I mean, it's got to yeah. be something you work on because nobody, nobody wants to live with anxiety like that. No, I know. And, and, and you do find yourself, you do find yourself um, thinking, well, I'm, I'm stressing away the time that I do have Yeah, with them. You know what I mean? But also, also, um, I sort of, I've, I, I, I've opened up about this to people before and I've, I've mistaken their advice to, to, you know, stop being so anxious about it. I've mistaken that advice for stop caring, oh. to stop caring about your parents. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to yeah, stop. Yeah. I don't want to stop caring. Right, right. Because as soon as, soon as I stop caring, it's going to happen. And, and yeah. it's going to happen while I'm not caring. And I don't think I could particularly forgive myself for that. But, but yeah, I make it sound like it's demonstratively something I'm stressing about every day. It's not. It's just in the back yeah. of my right, in the right. back of my mind. So, so maybe, you know, maybe that's... And by the way, this is all one-way traffic. This is nothing to do with them. It's just, it's just you know, sometimes, sometimes... You know, it's, it's, you could say, is it, is it the sign of a, somebody with a sort of morbid fascination with stuff? It actually could be seen as a sign of somebody who enjoys their life. And doesn't yeah. want it to doesn't want it to change. Yeah, I think it feel it feels more like that than mm-hmm. it does anything anything else. Particularly. Yeah, that yeah that no that's that that's good. I mean, I um, I relate to. I mean, I I I suffer from depression and have my whole life. Actually, the last few years have been. I found a right combination of medication, etc. But I mean, I know that feeling of feeling, you know, like sad about the future because you're miserable now and you're going to be miserable then. And it's like, no, no, you're ruining now being miserable yeah. about the future. I'm, I mean, I used to have a, 
well, it was my my mom when she would come visit us. I she there was a couple times where, you know, say she was leaving on Monday and she'd seem real sad on Saturday, and I'd say, "What's wrong?" And she'd say, "Well, I have to leave on Monday," and I'm like, "Yeah, well, yeah, but you're here now, <laughs> like yeah. you're here until Monday, so like, <laughs> it's not yeah. Monday, you know." And that yeah. was just like when she's. Uh, that's just like. It's such a like an encapsulation of the way, the way we screw ourselves over. I think you know pretty commonly. Think, you know, I think so. But my sort of raison d'etre for it has always been people who don't think about this stuff, who have a sunny outlook, they're blindsided by bad news. Yeah, and pe- people who are thinking about bad news, they're yeah. never they're never blindsided by it. If you're always anticipating it, yeah, I it's, think. I'd like to think I can cope with it better, but I probably won't. That's probably just nonsense. Yeah, well, it's, you know, my ex-wife and I had a different way of dealing with things. There was something coming up that was worthy of anxiety. My mode is to say, well, I, you know, I, I go, well, why not? I'm going to wait to worry about it. You know, I, I just have, yeah. for some reason, and it's it's mostly only with, like there's some personal things that I can't do that with, but certainly with a lot of work things, you know, I can, I can do that. I can say, well, that's happening in two weeks. So I'll start worrying about it in two weeks. Whereas yeah. my ex-wife used to go over every bad kind of scenario that could possibly happen. And I would say, that seems crazy to me. And she'd say, no, she said, I am, I am preparing myself for the worst, so that everything better than the worst is yeah, a is a, a bo- relief. It's a bonus. It's a yeah. bonus. Yeah, exactly. She goes, you you know, she's like, you're going into the worst with no prep. You're going to just get hit full face with the worst. You know, that's exactly that's exactly okay, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so interesting. I, I and I think that and I think that's right. And I think it does. It seeps into every aspect of your life. I think, for example, even when I even when I'm at work, there are some actors who. Who are, who are really liberated and go in front of the camera and just see what happens. Yeah. They're, they're able, they probably know the lines, but they're able to go in front of the camera and just do it. And it yeah. might be brilliant. And if it's not brilliant, we'll try another one and then that might be brilliant. But I've always been, uh, I've always been very keen on preparing. So I know exactly what I'm doing when I, when I get in front of there. So I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get, you know, Nothing's going to surprise me. I'm going to be completely in control of it. As much as you can be in control of it, sometimes it still doesn't go right for various reasons. But, but I've never, I've never been one to trust my instincts in the moment in that way. And mm-hmm. I think it all maybe feeds in, feeds into something that, 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 that pre- I always think that probably preparing for the worst can bring out the best in me. I think. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I, I just like I say, I think it's different ways of dealing with it. You know, because yeah. I couldn't do it the other way. Like I can't, I can't worry about things that aren't here yet. It just uh, like it make that makes me more nervous than being nervous for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why it is. Well, now, um, it, it, in your, ha- you said you were an anxious kid. How does an anxious kid find the nerve to get on stage? Well, I think, I think what I think where that came from was. When I was a kid, we, we didn't have any, there was no theatrical background in my family. My, all, all, all my, my, um, 
all the everybody in my family's been a manual worker pretty much and we didn't we didn't go to the theater we didn't even really watch movies we just watched a lot of tv wow. and and tv comedy not even tv drama we just watched a lot of comedy and mm. i remember so I, so i i remember watching i remember watching a lot of and also because my parents are older than the parents of my school friends both my parents were sort of nearly 40 when i was born so what that did was that opened me up to a whole scope of entertainment that people of my age weren't really opened up to because their parents mm-hmm. were probably too young to appreciate it. So I remember watching of Laurel and Hardy when I, was a, when I was a little kid and just falling in love with them. And I think what it was, if you're a bit anxious and two people, even though they were long gone by the time this was happening, if two people can make you happy... Yeah, and you really fall in love with them, and it becomes it, it's a very privileged position for them to be in. I think so. I I remember wanting to be an actor or an entertainer before I even knew what one was. I remember just watching them and thinking, I want to make other people feel the way yeah. they make me feel. Mm-hmm. I just I I just really like the idea of being able to do that for someone. If if there's somebody who's who's anxious to be able to take their mind off it for a bit and sort of cheer mm-hmm. them up, even though they were shot, you know, at 80, 70, 80 years before I was feeling these moments. It's like a hand through history that makes you feel better. And, yeah. uh, uh, and I still think that, and I, and, and I still think that in, in, in a world where acting is, can sometimes get quite worthy and actors can seem to wrap, tie themselves up in knots about what they're getting out of it, I still think that entertaining people is one of the most noble and best things you can do. Absolutely. I don't think I, it is. I don't think 100% it, I don't think it is, agree. I don't think it is frivolous and I don't think it certainly don't think it's easy. No. I think I I think it's one of the most important things you can do for someone to just say watch me and for the next 10 minutes I'll take your mind off all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So so so, so that was it. It, it it was it was a sort of desire to make people feel that way and 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 I, and and I was when I was a kid I was quite I've got mature in some ways like I was I was very comfortable talking to adults and mm-hmm. uh, very you know I I I was I was kind of smart as well not in a not in a precocious way but in a kind of worldly way like I was able to just join in conversations and things so I wasn't shy yeah. necessarily and, and and I was always up for we're Catholic family, so I, I was always up for doing readings in church at things and readings at mm-hmm. school, and I was an I was an altar server for a while, so I, I was never and frightened. That's, that's of, show business. Yeah, <laughs> there, of there's it is. some show business in there. Yeah, yeah, lovely costumes, lovely uh-huh. costumes, and so so I was never I was never shy necessarily. I was maybe shy about certain things like my weight because I was an overweight kid deep down, but on the surface of it. I wasn't shy about putting myself up for things. And so, so that combined with a sort of desire to entertain people, it just made school plays and stuff feel like a natural place for me to be. Yeah. That's great. I mean, it, you know, it does make, I mean, I asked like, how does, how does that happen? But I mean, I know because it's kind of, you know, like I say, anxiety isn't so much my issue, uh, but I understand I mean, I, I feel like I'm kind of shy and don't like to 
you know, draw attention to myself. And yet I know I understand. Well, yeah, but I mean, but even in my mind, it makes sense. Like, well, yeah, but I mean, I can get on stage. You know, it's like, it's like for some reason, these two things coexist at one time and they don't, you know, it's like, it's just, It's, it's a different context. You know, you're putting yourself into a different context where you almost get a vacation from yourself in some way, you know? Yeah, and I, I, and I think it's almost, I, I know for a fact that I've, I've discovered this and looking back, and I know for a fact that I was doing this at school, it was a case of me sort of, um, it was like a sleight of hand magic trick where I, where I was basically saying, don't pay attention to me, but don't pay attention to my weight, pay yeah. attention to, to this. Yeah. Like con- con- controlling where the attention was focused yep. on you. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I did. I definitely think that that was a part of it, and and it was strange going from sort of primary, going from elementary school into into high school. How how I d- deliberately played down how smart I was because oh, I didn't really? think that. Yeah, I didn't think that was something that was prized necessarily. Wow. I, I didn't think I didn't think it was something that would that would make me many friends for whatever reason. It, it's their hang up. It's not my hang up. But yeah. I, but I, I was just determined to not be, not be different. It's such a weird yeah. thing that happens when you're at school and you feel a bit anxious. The last thing you want to be is different, even different in a good way. Even if mm-hmm. you're smarter than average, I didn't want to be that. I just wanted to be average. I just wanted to be yeah. like everybody else. And it took me a while to, to sort of shake that off and and know that the differences about me were were worth putting to the front of things. You know. Were you purposely like tanking homework and stuff to so your grades weren't good, or were your grades good? You just weren't outwardly presenting as you know. You kept was, your smartness to yourself. That's exactly what it is, and I was still able. I was still able to get by. Yeah, but I but I fooled around, and as a matter of fact, the teacher once said to me, and it was almost too late to do anything about it. Then I was I was fooling around in class, and I was clowning around. And they pulled me to one side after the class and said, you're the worst type of pupil there is. And I was like, all right, do go on. And they said, uh, <laughs> and they said uh, because you're naturally smart enough to get, get by, whether you fool around or not. Yeah. But by fooling around, you're stopping some kids who aren't as smart as you from doing well oh and i thought oh god they're so right and yeah. i felt so and i felt so bad but by the and i, and I wish and i regretted it so much and i knew they were right but by that stage i thought that when other kids were laughing at me that i was entertaining them and i was making them feel good about themselves in the way that i wanted people to make me feel but i just didn't see the bigger picture and i felt really bad but by that time your persona's established and that's what people want from you. They want you to be funny. They don't yeah. even know it's to their own to their own detriment. So it's amazing how you get you get saddled with these with these funk social functions mm-hmm. that you can't get out of even if you sort of wanted to. But yeah, the worst type of people there is. How about that for I'm gonna put that on my IMDB trivia. <laughs> trivia. John Bradley is the worst type of person there One is. One of the worst types. Which actually I I actually beg to differ with that teacher. I think like Hitler was worse. You know, he's the worst type of person, I think. 
you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, if if, if I'm number two, if it's Hitler <laughs> than me, I'd like to think there was there was quite a distance between us. Sure, of it, course, it's not a close. It's not a close call. Like no, that. no, I don't think you're. I think like there's a Pol Pot in there somewhere. Um, oh yeah. want to make mom's day get to your nordstrom rack now and score amazing deals for mother's day which is sunday may 12th find tons of gifts from only 30 dollars at nordstrom rack fragrance jewelry luxury bags activewear beauty and more save on kate spade new york Stuart weitzman and ted baker london great brands great prices So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Can't you tell my loves are growing? When do you start to seriously consider making acting or theater uh, your vocation? Well, I, I felt, I knew that I wanted to do it, but coming from the place that I came from and coming from the background, it just felt like a totally closed shop. I just didn't think yeah. there was any any sure. way in any way that it could could possibly happen, and I think that that's. That's getting, is it getting better? I don't know. I hope it is, but it still feels like that's something that holds a lot of kids from that environment back. There's, there's just no, no roadmap for it necessarily. And I didn't even know that there was such a thing as drama college. I just didn't even know that that was a thing. I had to be told that. I had a pal when I was in high school, I had a pal who, um, who was theatrically minded like me knew about drama school and he told me about it he said there's a place you can go for three years you have to pay but there's a you can get a loan from the government you can go and study acting for three years and come out of it a trained actor i was like no way i had no idea that other <laughs> thing even existed and now it's so nice to see that he's doing very well because i don't know if you know uh there's a it's on broadway i think or maybe off broadway the the play that goes wrong you know those guys? I do it, not know it. Yeah, there's a there's a one there's a great sort. It's, it's become a theatrical empire of of, of plays that that it's, it's like this theatre company's putting on a play, but as you're watching it, the play starts to unravel. unravel. And people start yeah. to sort of make mistakes. So they, they've had a phenomenal success with that, and 
myself and the sort of guy behind, one of the guys behind that, we were at college together. And he was the one who, who set me on the path to drama school. Without him, I never would have even knew that it existed. Oh, wow. And, and yeah, and then, and then suddenly, it's sort of interesting because all the way through that stage of my career, I was doing school plays at, at sort of elementary school and I loved it. And then I was thinking, oh yeah, but when I get into high school, there's more kids, so I'm not going to be as, as ahead of the pack as I am here. I'll mm. just be... I'll just be uh, somebody else who's good at it. Got to high school, was like, you know, the <laughs> was like good again, or, or the best again, or uh, one of yeah. the best again. Uh, yeah. And, and and then 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 just before I got to drama school, it was a bit like you know well, I'm bound I'm bound to not be the best here. And I got there, and I was pretty good there as well. So I think that when I was when I was in a, 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 a theatre studies group with a load of people who wanted to do it as well, and I was still pretty good, that's when I thought that, oh, maybe I've got a place in the industry going forward. Didn't, never banked on it and never thought that it would get to the, the stage that it has. I just thought I might have a shot at some sort of a career, whether that's just in, whether that's in, in local theatre or whether that's, you know, I don't, didn't know what the ceiling was, but that was when I first started to think it might be a possibility, yeah. Yeah, I... I'm right there with you. For me, I always looked at it as uh, the, or the thing that helped me believe I could do it was when I started to look at it as a trade and yeah. like this, you know, like the, you, this is a trade where that you make a product and it takes a, you know, like Liam Neeson, a certain set of skills, uh, you know, you <laughs> yeah. learn some skills to do this one particular thing. Um, and I also think like, you know, it's like you were, you were, you know, sort of sheepish about saying, you know, well, I was pretty good there too. You know, that's, that is something that happens when you have a natural, a natural ability in this stuff in, you know, standing in front of people and lying and trying to be someone else in front of them yeah. and making them believe it. Um, you you just, you know, you have a natural sort of knack for it. And, you know, and, and, and I don't think there's, anything wrong with kind of admitting that and, you know, in as humble a way as you can. And also you revealed something that I have always felt, which is especially in acting. I don't think there's anything wrong with painting the picture of yourself by using relative terms. Like yeah. you don't, you know, you standing to, by yourself, there's this kind of notion that you have all this belief in yourself and that you're fantastic, but me standing alone by myself I don't know. I mean, yeah, I could be great. I could be nothing. I get in a group yeah. and I compare myself to other people and I can feel I need to work on this or I can feel like, hey, you know what? I'm doing fine, you know? Yeah. And it's yeah. just in that comparing ourselves to other people. It's not a bad thing. And so it's like a useful bacteria in some situations, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, uh, you know, you know that's, that, that's, it's sort of a question that I, that I ask a lot of creative people or people in entertainment, because I have my own answer to it. In, when, I, when I was studying, it's funny, it's funny that you say, as soon as you see it as a trade, but when I was studying drama, for three years, going in every day, acting with my close pals, doing Shakespeare. When the stakes were quite low, you just performed it for other students or you know parents had come in and staff. I yeah. think now that that was still the time where I've enjoyed it the most. 
I've yeah. enjoyed the pro. I've enjoyed the process of it the most because they felt like there was no pressure and the consequences of failure were so small. Yeah. But as soon as soon as it does become your job, as soon as it does become your trade, and people are banking lots of money on the fact that you can do it, you still enjoy it and get a satisfaction from it. But it takes it takes the pressure that comes from that takes a certain shine off it when when you're not doing it for yourself anymore. You're literally in service. You're in service to millions of people watching, hopefully, and you're in service to directors and producers that have backed you and think that you can do it. Now you've got to prove that you can do it. Mm-hmm. I, think that, I think that that's... There that that's, was that golden period where I was pretty good, but the consequences of messing up were small for the last time. And as soon as mm-hmm. Game, of, Game of Thrones happened, the consequences of getting it wrong... Are suddenly huge and you're letting more and more people down and that shift even though i still love my job and i still know how lucky i am to do it that shift was something that that i i, I know that my relationship with it has changed then yeah well you know you had it was like magical innocence in your hometown versus at one point the largest tv series in the world you know it's a it's a it's yeah. a really drastic change i mean just the fact that you're saying lines on that were written on paper is about the only thing the two have in common because one is such a juggernaut and it's so there's so much money i mean that's it it's money it's whether there's money or where there's not money and that just it just does change the stakes and when you we might as well move on because you you got the uh game of thrones right out of school right it was my first audition out, yeah. Wow. My first audition out of... Yeah, we did that. Did that it. make people... Did that make your peers nuts? That you, like, snagged pretty much a series regular on your first audition out of the gate of school? Uh, I'd like to think that they were genuinely pleased. I, I yeah. Mean, I mean, it, it, was, it, was, it was such a... We, we, we were such a close... A close-knit sort of community in there. And we we really did have each other's backs, and, and and even now, they're still my closest pals, the pals that I oh, made. Oh wow! Well, you see, you, I, you picked nice friends. You did. You, you succeeded in picking nice friends. Yeah, but I, I just think that that's the place where you really where you really get to know people more than anywhere else because you're with them every day. Because we had long hours, we did like nine till six or seven every day. You're with them every sure. day. You get to know everything about them yeah. for three years. And so the people that you like or the people that you become friends with when you're there, it feels like a very close relationship because you feel you know them inside out, I think. But it was so they were all happy for me. And there was a lot of congratulations and lots of texts going around and lots of backslapping. And then the first day on set felt a bit like, oh, they were all really happy for me, but they've all gone away now. Yeah. And now I have to prove to David Benioff and Dan Weiss and, and all the producers on that show that they made the right call. Mm-hmm. And I became close friends with Kit Harrington and close friends with David and Dan and so many other people on that show. But I remember going in on the first day thinking how sort of lonely it suddenly feels that, that people think I can do this can I actually? And now mm-hmm. we're going to find out whether I, whether I can or not. And that was quite an exposing thing, especially because at, at my theatre school, 
it was literally that. It was a theatre. It was a theatre-based training where we didn't have any camera training really. Right. We had, like, we had like three hours camera training across three years. So my fourth hour was in front of a camera on Game of Thrones. Wow. So it was looking back on it now. Uh, it was. It was. It was quite. It was quite, and you know, it's quite anxiety-inducing. And I think I actually think that if you've come from somewhere where you never expected to get to a place where you know you're even in the conversation for this type of thing, you constantly feel the need to prove yourself and work as hard as you possibly can, just so that you don't get kicked back out of it again. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think the worst thing that can happen is when you assume that your place at that table is guaranteed for for life. Yeah. I think that I think that that can make you sort of complacent and you can lose that hunger a little bit. But that's mm-hmm. that's. But I remember yeah, go going straight into that. It was quite an exposing experience. And talking about friends as well, I did make close friends with Kit Harrington and and that sort of my peers in that show because none of us have really done anything yeah. before. And we were all kind of scared. Yeah. I think I've always said it, the friends that you make when you're scared are the friends that, that, that you tend to cling on to because yeah. your friendship forged in amongst all that uncertainty. I yeah. Think. And it is, well, and, and I mean, in this business is weird. Uh, it creates little, you know, kind of actual family structures or they function as one that last two months. And then they, you know, like in your case, they disband for 10 months and then they get back together, but sometimes they get together and then they never get back together. And you're, yeah. you know, you spend a lot of time with a bunch of people intensely for a short period of time, and then you don't see them. And it's, it's, it's very unique. It's a very weird thing. I like for me, and I mean, and it's why, you know, there's tons of Rome, you know, onset romance is a cliched phrase. Um, yeah. But I always found too, whenever I did things like that, I would invariably like make a friend. Like I would always kind of have to have like one person, you know, that could be my pal so that, you know, we could gossip about people and have yeah, lunch together. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And especially if you're on location, go do stuff when you're not working because that can be really lonely and weird. Yeah, and that and that was something that that was a totally new experience when I was shooting Moonfall, this movie that I have coming out uh, shortly, was the fact that we shot that in deep covid lockdown in montreal oh wow and that was the first i mean there was nothing open there was nothing to do so that was the first time really that i've done a job where there was no social aspect to it at all the entire thing the entire thing we weren't allowed there were no there were no bars open or anything myself and patrick wilson we were staying in the same hotel so we had a couple of walks out to the shop and then came back in there was nothing else to really do so uh, so Somehow we somehow we forged this chemistry, and I think we forged it from um, a sense of we all have to be really committed to this project if we're not going to make it grind to a halt. We all have to commit to it because mm-hmm. we've come across the world away from our families, and now we're making this very ambitious movie in such a bizarre set of circumstances yeah, in COVID yeah. where, where everyone's got a mask on. You don't know what any of the crew look like. 
for the whole shoot because <laughs> they've all true. got masks That's weird. On. Yeah, yeah. You feel you feel so alienated from everything. So we managed to, through through that sense of adversity, we really banded together and really hunkered down and got through it. But yeah, when that social aspect is missing, you really do notice that it's such it's such an easy way to get a shorthand with people and to get get a relationship going when it's not when that construct isn't there. It, it, it's not it's not as organic a process to really get to know people and the the, the better you know somebody obviously as, as you know the better you know somebody the easier it is when you step in front of a camera with them because you trust them more yeah there i also think too and I mean, because i sort of experienced this a little bit because during covid we were doing conan shows from home from our our respective homes and Mine was even just kind of like uh, there were some days where I wasn't even on and they would send me bits and I would shoot the bits myself. But when we started actually going, we went to the Largo Theater and started doing the show with just about six people there. Those six people like I felt so jazzed to be around those people because of just the sensory deprivation of the solitude that I imagine it kind of made it like crackle a little bit for you guys because you're also bored and lonely so getting to work with each other is the only chance you really kind of it's your only play time yeah your only social time exactly and and even though it is a big you know it's a big effects movie there's lots of vfx in it roland emmerich destroys the world again which he can't yeah what's with what's with that guy he's he's he he, he, well he's he's the master of it and yeah he, he's, he's, he's really managed to get that down to a fine art, even though all that VFX was going on. Most of it, most of the, the shoot was with myself, Patrick Wilson and Halle Berry in a tiny space shuttle capsule, which was probably about the size of, half the size of this room. Yeah. So even, and when the door shut of that capsule, nobody else could get in. Right. They were putting boom mics in through the window and we couldn't see anything because it was all green screen around. So even though, it's a, a movie with a lot of scale to it. It still felt like quite an intimate acting experience because it was the three of us completely isolated from everybody else in this tiny sort of enclosed space. So there was still, yeah, there was still, there was still a certain degree of, uh, of sort of acting satisfaction to get from that and a certain degree of team spirit that we derived from that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's three strong performers too. Trapped in little box, uh, you know, having yeah. to cut, you know, and I, uh, I, uh, I, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Um, is there any kind of like, do they, do you guys, do you get to screw around? Like, do you get to kind of like have ad libs? Like, do you shoot the lines and then say, let's try one for the heck of it? Uh, that, that does yeah, that does happen, but but you know, as I as I alluded to before, when I said I, I'm, I, I don't like taking chances that much, and I, I I like to sort of do a lot of work at home or work in a hotel, and then come in with something to offer. And once I've got the way I want to do it down, I, I sort of like to stick to it by rote and practice it and get it in my muscle memory. So quite often, when a director says just do one and see what happens. It's very rare that I come up with anything that's any good. Yeah, yeah. People think, people have a weird idea about improv in movies that they think you can just come in and 
like let just do whatever you want but it's like no you got to light it and you know like somebody can't just get up off the couch and run into the kitchen you know the camera can't follow them so it's usually yeah. improv in movies is usually just there's a slot that you can fill with different words and that's pretty much exactly it, you know yeah exactly and i i, I completely i admire so much the people that can do that but there is there is a sort of probably you know coming from the fact that there's a slight degree of imposter syndrome of somebody who doesn't quite think that they should be or deserve to be in this company which is you know going back through my family of a lot of manual workers who roll their sleeves up and do the work i like to do the work and i think when people come in and just say oh well i've not prepared anything but i'll just keep doing takes and i'll do it different every time and we'll just see i always go a bit like oh you're just trying to fluke one yeah yeah you're just you're just trying to get lucky yeah and and sometimes it's extraordinary when the very very skilled people who can do it do it but i just i don't have enough faith in my ability to do that and it sort of goes slightly against my work ethic yeah i get it i get it yeah it's like if you're gonna lay bricks you have to lay them in order you can't just start skipping bricks and things yeah yeah yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But, but, then, but then again, that, that's, why, that's why acting and entertainment in general and, and comedy and, and music is such, a, is such a inspirational place to exist because everybody approaches things in different ways. I mean, I, I, I think, I mean, I've, I've talked about it a lot. I don't know if you've seen the, the Peter Jackson Beatles thing, but, uh, but, what, what get, but what the Beatles do in Get Back is it just reminds you just... How how different creative approaches can can be brought together to make something mm-hmm. that's so unique? And if everybody was the same, it, it'd be it'd get quite dull very quickly. It's good to have all these different sensibilities, but I know very firmly what mine is. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That thing, I love that thing, and I'm not even, you know, like I actually sometimes get beetle fatigue. You know, I'm like, mm. okay, enough with the Beatles. But I soaked up every minute of that thing, and it, it's by far the best presentation of the creative process I have ever seen. And yeah, me too. And one of the parts of it is that it has to be eight hours long because it's lo- so much of it is tedium. So much of it is just waiting yeah. around, do it again, do it again until like some little magic thing pops out, you know, and then you go, yeah. oh, it's make that, you know. So, yeah, exactly. no, I, I love that. So. Yeah, and, and 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 the thing is that because we know the songs, and it's it's like watching a scene. It's like watching your favorite scene from a movie. If you become so familiar with it that you know every single detail of it, if you were to see an alternate take, it just seems so wrong. Yeah, yeah. All of those songs on the way to being what they become. It's but how could you ever conceive that it was going to be like this? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, I just find that process. And as soon as you, in any creative work, whenever you just chance upon something that's right, you just really know it. And then nothing yeah. else, nothing else will do yeah. once you stumble upon that, I think. Now, uh, this movie, Moonfall, is, you're, I, you know, I, they sent me a link to try and watch it and I'm a crabby old man and I couldn't get it to work <laughs> and then I just quit. So I, you're going to, I'm going to have to pay for it because I do want to see it because it looks 
bananas. It's just the, it the, <laughs> the trailer. And the, but the thing that I love the most is you're all over the trailer. You're like, you are the, you carry the trailer, like more so I think than Patrick Wilson. So that's, you know, wow. Good job. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, mean, I know I mean, you didn't cut the trailer, but still, I mean, that's a good indicator of, of what they think will sell the movie. Well, I, well, I, I, I'd like to think so. When, when we, and once, once again, it's, it's a really nice, it's a really nice position for me to be in, and it's a bit like the start of Game of Thrones, where having, having Oscar winner Halle Berry in this movie is going to be a large part of what sells it because she's she carries a, a, a great deal of star power. You know what you're getting with Halle. She's an incredible actress and I, it was a real honour to work with her. But I felt even in this situation, like that kind of pressure was off me a little bit because they weren't, they weren't using me to, to finance the movie and they're not using my name to sell the movie. They, yeah. there, was a time, there was a time even when the studio thought and, you know, it, it's their decision and I completely respected it, thought that I wasn't, uh, a big enough name to have this part anyway, even though even wow. though Roland Roland wanted me to be in it, the studio disagreed for a while and it when it when it went to somebody else and I was sort of heartbroken about that, but it all worked out fine in the end. Yeah. But but, but sort of knowing that Hallie has got broad enough shoulders to carry the star power of the movie, it sort yeah. of freed me up freed me up to be able to have a bit of fun around that. And I agree. I get that one hundred percent. Yeah. And 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 she is and she is, she's she's one of the one of the best number ones I've ever worked with. Her and my last two number ones have been her and and Jennifer Lopez, and I've I've learned so much from the pair of them about what it is to be a number one. But and I'd like yeah. to do it in my I'd like to do it in my career. My ambition, I've not got any ambitions to to you know to break any more ceilings necessarily because I don't necessarily think I have the right to want that, but. I just I'd like to be a number one one day just to see the how I deal with that pressure of it because I've had a masterclass in dealing with that pressure from two real professionals and who are very, the very top of their game and but from what I've seen I'm happy to be number two or three it just just eases the pressure ever so slightly yeah and just gives gives me the chance to surprise a little bit more I think I was number one on the call sheet for three different projects and i did not actually enjoy it that much yeah i mean of course it's nice to be listened to but even then you're not necessarily listened to but uh i'm much happier a few notches down and let everyone else yeah. take the heat and i have to yeah. we have to wrap this up because uh you've got elsewhere to be but i so let's just kind of get to like what do you what do you feel like the What's the thing you've learned the most, you know, that you would sort of, you know, I mean, I imagine people ask you for advice and usually can take that form, but. Well, the thing that I've learned the most, and it, it was a great, it was a great relief to me to learn it, was that you can come from somewhere and go to somewhere else, which feels completely out of the realms of possibility and remain the same person. Yeah. I think that, I think that there is a certain lie or a certain piece of a school of thought, which is a bit like to get anywhere, you have to be ruthless. You have to be prepared to to cut people out. You have to turn your back on stuff. You have to be completely self-centered and only think of yourself. 
And when I was told that, or when I got that feeling, I was really scared. I was a bit like, I don't want to turn my back on my family. I don't want to be somebody else or live a, transform my life beyond all recognition. I just want to do this job and still maintain my priorities. And if you find the right people, the right team, get the right advice, it's perfectly possible that you can do that and be true to yourself at the same time and involve everybody from your past and bring them along for it and and don't listen to anybody who tells you that you have to turn your back on all that if you want to get anywhere that's great yeah so remember that write that down folks rewind this and write that down uh john bradley thank you so much for taking some time and doing this with us and i think uh, this movie looks like a juggernaut. I mean, it looks like, I mean, I'm like, I hope we put like at least three more butts in seats uh, from this podcast. But oh, I'd love that. Be very grateful if so. It, yeah, it's such a gigantic movie, and you look like you're. It, I just hope it does wonderful, wonderful things for you. Uh, because oh, you thank you, Andy. It. You are. Oh, thank welcome. you for having me. It's lovely to get to, uh, genuinely lovely to get to speak to you again. And yes, hope thank we can you. Do it again one day. The same, and we will. I will see you around campus. Uh, so yeah. uh, thank you very much. And, and thank all of you out there for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks. I've got a big, big love for you. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It is produced by Lane Gerbig, engineered by Marina Pice, and talent produced by Galitza Hayek. The associate producer is Jen Samples, supervising producer Aaron Blair, and executive producers Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Make sure to rate and review The Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. Can't you tell my loves are growing? Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.